Alright folks, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wa la'aqibatu al-Muttaqin, Wa la'udwana illa ala al-Zalimeen, Wa salamatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf al-Anbiya'i wal-Mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad, Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla, Wa anta tajul al-Hazna ida shi'la sahla, Allahumma, A'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, Ya Rabbil Kareem, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, Everybody, Good evening to everyone. Good evening to everybody, except, except who? I know, we're not going to hate today. Everybody. Everybody's included today. Uh, let's see who's online today. All my peeps are online. MashaAllah. Well, like, good to see Rafiq as well from Scotland. MashaAllah. Ulfa is joining us as well. Ulfa we've seen in the class recently we have one telegram group well there's an announcement group kind of thing mm, there you go Ulfa May says give me your link let's see who else is here Myers is here as well and uh, and then the Canadians are here which is good and it's all good alright folks let's jump in Let's jump in because peoples have got me on the thingy. Shazal Salim, have you been efficient today? Have you updated the notes thing or what? Or is people's best is going to get done? Zadan Mustaknet 21. Are you kidding me, Shaz? Why did you say... T oh, is that, is that going to be 2021? Is that what it means? It's a nice document, that, isn't it, Shaz? You sick guy. You sick guy. You sick guy. Walaikum salam, everybody. Walaikum salam. Right, let's bring this over here. So today, well, actually, let's little read a little bit ahead, or not read ahead, but at least let's read. Yeah, you know, our section, isn't it? Because we hadn't done the translation for a while, so I just got a bit delayed, hooked up with that. Okay. Um. Thumma, so we are in. If you're looking at the text, then you know after the red, du'a of the qunut of witter. The, not the first, the second, but the third paragraph after that. Okay, so I'm going to do a couple of paragraphs. that last sentence is what we're going to be covering today because we did the first part last week. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Anyway. كظهر فلا بأس وأجر صلاة قاعد على نصف أجر صلاة قائم. I don't think we're going to get any further than that. I think that's enough for today, right? So the translation of what I have just read is then, in order of emphasis, it is السنن الرواتب. I've gone with the prescribed supererogatory prayers. She said, "Salim, don't pick on Danish." Jaslim, don't pick on Danish. Just because it's smaller than you. 
Don't pick up on people who are smaller than you. I don't like bullies. She said, Slim, I don't like bullies. Okay? I don't like bullies. Don't, yeah, listen. Don't pick fights with people. <laughs> don't, don't be a bully. Yeah, Qasim, you are so handsome, she doesn't see me. You are an ayah in ayatillah, mashallah, tabarakallah. Just put that in this right place. Yes. Allah Akbar. Just need to put it in this, just gotta just put it right there so it's in my eye line. Make sure everybody's got the YouTube video on. You press the red button that says live to make sure that we don't have any delays unnecessary delays honestly guys look how nice it is mashallah mashallah right where are we oh yeah text yeah you guys are always disturbing me that's the problem right then so the most emphasized prayer the most emphasized prayer is the prescribed supererogatory prayers as sunan ar-rawatib like next in the order we obviously said it's a lot more important than that but i mean you know it's no neither here nor there really but i've gone with the prescribed supererogatory prayers if you remember uh uh that discussion we had um you know the um in the telegram group i liked uh arif's the routine supererogatory prayers and i'm down with that but I changed it to prescribed because it's linked to the prescribed prayers and routine and thingy and ratib is something which is given. And yani, I went with the prescribed supererogatory prayers. So the uh, the the rawatib, as sunan al rawatib or the ratiba or salat al ratiba, all of these different names that we covered last week. What are they? Two units before dhuhr, two units after it, two units. Oh, look at that. Should say before Maghrib. I'm gonna have to send this again now. Two units before Maghrib, two units after Isha, and then two units before Fajr. These two being the most emphasized of them all. These two meaning the two Fajr ones. Okay? If any of these are missed, it is a sunnah to make them up. If any of these are missed, it is a sunnah to make them up. That's what we're covering today. That's the main meat of today. The prayer of the night is better than the prayer of the day. The best time is during the third of the night after midnight. We might have to discuss the translation of that. The best time is during the third of the night after midnight. The prayer of both the night and the day is to be offered in units of two. There's no harm if one offers the supererogatory prayer during the day in a unit of four like the Dhuhr prayer. That's going to be more than enough for us. Okay, guys, for today. All right. So, Ijlad's asking, can we pre keep printed photo frames at home? Yes, you can. Just don't put them on display. Other than, Yanni, when you need inspiration, that's something else. What a legend. What a legend, Ijlad Salim is. Hafidhahullah ta'ala wa ra'ah. Yanni, may Allah protect him from Nazar. Amin. Champion. The king of all that he surveys. Right. So I think that we are on page 72. Yeah. 
of Al Mumtia, right? The commentary on page 72. That's my little mark that I've got here. So whoever, if any of these are missed, any of these are missed, meaning all of these, then all of these sunan, all of these sunnah uh, prayers, it is a sunnah to make them up. It is a sunnah to make them up. Um, Sheikh Uthameen gives a few uh, points here that I think is important. Okay, he says, of course, the condition for this is that there was a reason that he missed them. It can't just be done willy nilly, right? It has to be. There has to be a reason that you missed the actual prayer, and then it is allowed uh, to to make it up. And the evidence for this of making up sunnah prayers because it doesn't make sense, right? That's the whole point here, right? The discussion is. Uh, obligatory prayers are obligatory and you know you got to make them up so you got to make them up why would you be making the uh, the prayers that are not obligatory to make those up as well because then you could instead of that you could just do other uh, uh, supererogatory voluntary prayers just you, know, you can pray more why would you make up those the evidence for this is what was narrated uh, by Abu Huraira radiallahu an and Abu Qatada radiallahu an in the story of when the Prophet ﷺ was out on a military expedition and the Prophet ﷺ overslept. He overslept. Actually, it wasn't just him who overslept. Actually, all the companions overslept. In fact, the big thing is that Bilal, who is the Mu'addin, عن, he overslept. They all overslept. Okay? And you might remember this hadith. Uh, uh, they woke up. And, you know, everyone's in a panic. Sun has risen. Sun has risen. Fajr has been missed completely. Right? And, uh, you know, it was what it was. No one panicked. Everyone just obviously followed the example of the Prophet ﷺ. He made wudu. They all made wudu. And then the key thing is that he prayed two raka'ah sunnah of Salatul Fajr. And then they prayed congregation. They prayed the Fajr Fard, yani congregation. The instruction here from this hadith, there's so many points that this hadith is a great hadith, but uh, the two key ones that you learn, the two obvious ones, is, is A, uh, that the sunnah uh, or the rawatib are also made up when they are missed, okay? And secondly, that when you miss a prayer which is obligatory and you have a people with you, then you can pray it in congregation, which doesn't like make sense if you think about it logically, right? Because you'd be thinking that I've done something wrong, super panic, got to get over and done with as soon as possible, right? In actual fact, if you remember when we had this discussion, I don't know how many years ago now, but I do remember, uh, um, I do remember it was in some kind of, yeah. So, I'm going to come to this point in, in a minute, Mahira. But, um, the, uh, uh, I remember having, I can't remember what part of the class, what, what, what part of the notes we were. But I was basically saying that there is a scholarly opinion that says that um, even delaying the makeup of the prayer of Salatul Fajr particularly up until Dhuhr is something which is, which is allowed. Meaning that, if there's a person, let's say that sunrise is 7 o'clock, right? 
and let's say that a person woke up at nine in the morning. Okay, right. Year five. There we go. Year five, and he wakes up at nine a.m. in the morning. Fajr uh, was at half past five, six o'clock. Sunrise was at seven. Misses the whole shabam. Wakes up at nine, and now the question is, okay, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu comes into uh, into pray. Whoever misses the prayer should pray when he remembers it or when he awakes. This Arabic phrase, let him pray it, is indicating immediacy, immediate immediacy, is that even a word? Urgency anyway. And thank you. Chapter 15, lesson 14. Thank you, Selma. Alright? This will remind us of this. Everybody should remove the, uh, review that section, please. Okay? Um, because we're not going to go into stuff we've done before. We're just going to stick to the text and just going to blast straight through. And um, and the point was is that if you are going to make up a prayer as soon as you remember it or when you wake up, those are the two kind of normal scenarios, right? So you completely forgot. You know, Asr is one that sometimes people completely forget and they get to Maghrib or maybe Maghrib starts. They're like, yeah, there's something wrong here, right? And then they kind of pray Maghrib and they realize I haven't even prayed Asr, right? Or whatever. So, you know, now that you've remembered Asr, you've got to pray immediately. And uh, the waking up is an obvious one. And Fajr is going to be the obvious one. And because, as Danish says, the fa indicates that it happens immediately. And just the mood and just the obligation. And then the general understandings that we have of Salah. And you would have seen throughout the last 9-10 years or whatever. We've been speaking about this idea that the prayer is 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 an act of ibadah that is not generally delayed. And sometimes the fiqh is built around that, especially when we covered the chapter of, of uh, menstruation. If you remember menstruation, when we did menstruation, we were talking about, you know, the opinions of scholars that said that, um, uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, no, no, I'm okay. You, you, you. Um, the, uh, if a person started menstruating, for example, as soon as Asr kicks in, right? As soon as Asr kicks in, I mean, this is it goes as extreme as you want. But let's say that Asr kicks in at four and Maghrib's at five. Unless the woman notices, notices that, no. Asr kicks in at four, Maghrib's at six. A woman, basically, she notices that she's menstruating at quarter past four, right? There are some scholars that say that she has to make up this Asr prayer afterwards. Because she had 15 minutes to pray the Asr prayer and she didn't. And you should always pray the prayer in its beginning time. But because she didn't, it's upon her dhimma, meaning it's upon her head that she owes it. And, you know, she shouldn't have basically, you know, she should know. What they're basically saying is that she's a woman. She gets menstruation. She knows it happens every month. She knows it happens roughly about now because it's been ages since it's happened. Blah, 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 blah. So you should be always thinking, I've got to pray at the beginning of each prayer time. I've got to pray at the beginning of each prayer time. And, you know, our class position was, listen, the 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 uh, prayer time is until 6 o'clock. Well, not 6 o'clock, but, yeah, you know, quarter to 6 and all the rest of it. And she's allowed her time and space to do that. And when the person's pure, they assume their purity. And they don't assume impurity. And they don't assume when a, when a prayer time, when you, when you enter into a prayer time, you assume that I've got the rest of the time to pray. So I just want you to know where it's coming from, but I just also add, just in case you've forgotten or you didn't even know or you're new to the class, that there are some scholars that even said that if, 
Anyway, I'm not going to go any further. It, it can get a bit crazy. Now, the, 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 real, the, the real point I want to say is that, yeah, we disagree and the majority of scholars disagree with this ruling. And they say, no, no, you don't need to make Asr up. You don't need to make Asr up. Uh, uh, you, you, were, you were legitimate, didn't have to pray Asr for another hour. So why do you need to make it up? And that's what our class, class position is, of course. And that's fine. But what I do want you to focus on is that there were scholars that were that, yani, uh, uh, you know, hardcore on the issue of the prayer that it's got to be prayed immediately. You can't be delaying it or whatever. So I want you to know that that is an Islamic principle. It is wholly Islamic to not delay the prayer. Right? Even if you are from the Hanafi school, right, and the prayer starts later, the prayer starts later. They're not necessarily delaying the prayer within the prayer time, right? They are praying according to text. They are praying according to what they believe. So when they pray the Salatul Fajr, obviously other than Salatul Fajr, right? When they pray Salatul Fajr late, closer to sunrise than it is to sun, uh, the dawn, uh, uh, closer to dawn, to Fajr itself, and they're praying it later, right? The reason they're doing it is because of their interpretation of a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which we covered years ago, concerning the brightening of the sky and the greater certainty that Fajr has actually kicked in, etc., etc. It's not because, you know, they have a very, very high ihtimam for uh, the uh, a big concern for the prayer that's got to be offered. So I just want you to know that um, it is a controversial statement indeed to hear that if a person wakes up after Fajr, uh, after Fajr, after sunrise, whenever he wakes up, well, now he's gone. I mean, you know, why are you rushing for now? Because the idea would be that I'll oh, get up, panic, leg it to the bathroom, you know, make wudu and pray. And now if you want to go sleep again or whether you want to chill or whatever, but you really get, yani, you know, into the game quickly and, you know, you don't delay. And that's the right attitude. But then some scholars said, well, you know what? The time's gone now. The time's gone now. And you've got until the next prayer time. So don't kill yourself. You can go and have a shower. I think I explained in the class then that, you know, a person might not now go to work and have a meeting and have breakfast. But would he be rushing in the bathroom like a madman? Would he be like, you know, going to the toilet, having a shower, getting changed and all the rest of it, taking another hour? I think that there's some space for that. I'm just saying there's some space for that. Certainly according to those scholars. Personally, I don't like it. I like the idea of, you know, having that sense of whatever. Anyway, um, I don't know whether that was relevant here or not. But the point is, is that, oh, sorry, yeah, the, the reason that's relevant is that if you've got that kind of attitude and mode, then it is quite shocking to see the Prophet Wasallam then uh, wake up, time's gone, and then, you know, make uh, he makes wudu and he prays. And then he's kind of, you know, waiting, you know, we would have assumed that there'll be other people praying the sunnah. Not everybody's finishing on time. So instead of getting up and immediately and praying because it's late, we're going to pray a jama'ah. So if when you're praying jama'ah, then you are delaying it, aren't you? You're delaying your prayer. You're waiting for people to finish. You're waiting them to get the line straight. You normally kind of pray longer and late, longer and more deeper when in a congregational prayer, etc., 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 etc. And so therefore... You do find that the level of urgency is a little bit less. And that is what gave those scholars that said that it's allowed to pray Fajr until Dhuhr that kind of um, confidence in their opinion, actually. That this kind of controlled and kind of accepted, I've accepted the position of where we're at right now. So we're just going to just carry on. And, you know, so anyway, that's uh, something.
Um, this hadith, by the way, that the Prophet ﷺ prayed the, 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 the Sunnah first and the Fard afterwards, is narrated by Imam Muslim, hadith number 681. Also, the hadith of Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was, uh, became, was, was, uh, he became diverted or his attention became diverted or he became occupied or he was, yeah, how, how do you say he became occupied? Someone occupied him. Whatever. But the point is that he became busy after Dhuhr and missing the opportunity to pray his two raka'ah sunnah after Salatul Dhuhr. And so he made up for them after Salatul Asr. So he made after, up for them after Salatul Asr. There are some narrations that basically explain the details behind this incident. And some indicate that it was because a group arrived from outside, a group of travelers, a group of guests, basically, that were wanting to hear, yeah, you know, the score, get some data, find out, yeah, what the situation is. This is in Medina, and so he's basically got visited, and instead of then offering the the sunnah, he's basically hooked up with them. They take his one two hours. Salat al Asr kicks in, so he's like, oh, you know, I've missed those two, but I'm not going to miss them. He does Salat al Asr, and then he prays them after the. Jama'ah. This is of course controversial to us because we're trying to work out now a couple of things. First of all, do you really make up sunnah prayers that were not made up before? Right? Like uh, what I mean by that is that the hadith indicates it for fajr and we already know that the sunnah for fajr is not the same category as the rest of the sunnah. That's why uh, Imam al-Hajjawi says that uh, these two being the most emphasized Kaduha, uh, they are the most emphasized of the two of the of the the rawatib of the day, of the rawatib of the day of your twelve normal sunnas that are linked to sunnah muakkada of the day. The fajr ones are emphasized, and they are different. And we covered it in detail last week. We said obviously that it has extra reward. That the Prophet ﷺ always used to pray them even when traveling and not whatever. And so the reason I'm mentioning this is because some of the scholars said that this hadith in Muslim that we just mentioned. This was only because the Prophet ﷺ only made up the Salatul Fajr. He doesn't make up other Sunnah prayers. That's the argument where I'm trying. That's the argument here. He only makes up the Sunnah Fajr prayer because it's the Sunnah of Fajr prayer, not because it's the Sunnah act. So then the other scholars will come back and say, "Well, what do you think? What do you say about this hadith then?" Like the Hanbalis are saying, "What do you say about this hadith? The Hadith of Um Salama here, which is narrated by Bukhari, by the way. This hadith is one, two, three, three, right? This hadith in Bukhari." Where Um Salama said that he became busy, wasn't able to pray the two raka'ah of Dhuhr after Dhuhr. Therefore, when he became aware of it, the time of Asr had kicked in. So he prayed the Jama'ah of Asr with them. And then he prayed these two sunnah because he didn't want to miss them. They said, what do you think about this hadith? Well, the scholars from the other opinion, they said, this is something specific for the Prophet So this is a popular position that um, this is not a sunnah for the masses. But this is something unique to the Prophet ﷺ. Other scholars came up with a middle position. They said um, that, uh, no, we should not... That's a risky game to play. It's a risky game. You've got to be top tier yani, when you're discussing those kind of statements. You know, specifics and not specifics to the Prophet ﷺ. It becomes difficult. Obviously, it becomes easier when it's just an action which is narrated and not a statement. So we have not got a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ told someone or said uh, to Um Salama or whoever saw him praying these two raka'ah, you saw me praying the two raka'ah, those were sunnah. If you miss a sunnah, make it up. We don't have a statement like that. We also don't have him observing, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a companion who clearly missed the sunnah prayer, and then him telling him, or those companions, you miss a sunnah prayer, you should make it up, you must make it up, or 
if you want to make it up, it's good. He didn't say anything. So we don't have a verbal statement. And in the absence of a verbal statement and just the action of the Prophet ﷺ being observed by someone else, you always have the possibility, of course, that this is something specific to the Prophet ﷺ. Something that he doesn't want or doesn't um, want to or it isn't uh, legislated for the rest of his ummah. So there's always going to be a discussion when that kind of incident occurs. I hope that that uh, makes sense. The hadith number for Bukhari was 1233. 3, 3. 1233. Okay. Um, anyway, Sheikh Uthameen says, This hadith of Um Salama is a nas. It's a direct text that you do make up rawatib prayers. He's taking it in a general sense. He's not looking to a specific yet, at this point right now. He's like, it's a nas. It's a, it's a divine text. He made it up, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, and at the very least, you have to agree with him that whatever opinion you hold, if you were to do it, let's say some guy, you know, in a masjid who started making up the sunnah prayers that he missed after dhuhr, after, uh, and he started making them up after asr, or before asr, or whenever he remembered, but outside the prayer time, what are you going to say to the guy? What are you going to say? You're going to say, brother, this hadith means blah blah or blah He's going to turn around and say, he's going to say, that's your opinion, brother. But I know that the Prophet ﷺ did it, and he didn't make it haram. So I'm following the Prophet ﷺ in this. He's always going to have an evidence to make them up. You get what I'm saying? As I said, that there was an opinion that this is not done. This is specific to the Prophet ﷺ. There's the extreme other opinion, not extreme, but the, 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 the opposite opinion, which is that you, like this one here, which is that, no, this is, the, the, this is what happens with Sunnah, Ratiba, Rawatib. You make them up. The middle position I don't want to make out that it's a fair position. It's just a position that's in between these two. I don't say it's particularly correct or whatever, although I, ha I have to say I do like it, is that if you are regular upon the rawatib and it really is something that you are on and don't miss and you, know, you stay hardcore on, then those are the folks that should make up the, uh, sun the, 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 the rawatib that they missed. Those folks. And because the Prophet ﷺ never missed the sunnah prayers, hardly ever, that's the reason why he made them up. And if you're a person who doesn't pray them normally and you're just a lazy, yani, you know, and you don't pray them normally, then you don't need to pray these either. That's the uh, uh, next position. Anyway, let's continue. Let's continue. Everybody, a reminder, press, if you just hold, if you hover over the video player, you'll see that it's a YouTube. You see the button that's live, press it. Red button must be, red light must be showing. Alright? But in that hadith, did all the companions pray the Fajr Sunnah as well? Yes, they did. Because nobody was awake. So we have to assume that that's exactly, uh, uh, that's what happened. What are the qualities of an action of the Prophet that make it specific to him and allows us to differentiate special act for him versus Sunnah? There's a lesson on that, Burhan. Alright? A detailed lesson. And I remember that a lot of it was recorded in Montreal. I remember it where I, where I was when I did that. Alright? So I'm sure that someone will find will find it and put it up. But doesn't that middle position close the door to others? Uh, yeah, it does. But uh, it's, the, it's, also, it's also the other way of putting what you just said into words is to say that it's also rewarding the people that deserve to be rewarded. You get what I'm saying? This understanding is is basically uh, kind of you know uh, you know we spoke about the 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 people who, the people who do twelve of the rawatib in the day they get a house in paradise. Um, that's a high quality person, right? Who's going to be doing that regularly? I told you before that I think that 
it, it's got to be done every day but who knows from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maybe it does mean that one person once in his life and one day does 12 I mean I find it very difficult to accept but you know we're talking about Allah here so why not yeah his generosity is beyond human yani, comprehension but if that's a, such a person is that person they are special people it's like it's very similar Danish to the opinion that we spoke about in detail concerning the obligatory prayer. So the obligatory prayer, you know, people who don't pray when they're young. When I say young, I mean younger and they have to pray, but they don't pray because they're not practicing or they're just foolish or whatever it is. And then they realize and then they ask the question, you know, do I make up my missed prayers? And, you know, all four schools obligate the making up of the missed prayers. And the other position, our class position, position of Sheikh Uthameen, Ha'ula, all of these guys, contemporary scholars and Ahl Hadith and whatever, their position is that no, there is no prayer. There is no prayer that's made uh, that, that to make up once the, the prayer is gone um, because the time is gone. Once the time is gone, there is no prayer and that's it. That's their kind of like legal position. And they've got all the evidences that we covered. You go back and review that. But the biggest statement that I found, you know, fascinating and I loved it, resonates with me as well, I have to say, is their explanation further by saying that you don't deserve to make up the prayer. You don't even deserve to make up the obligatory prayer. Simple as that. Any person, yani, that's a next level of baghirat behavior. Right? You are full baghirat, yani, that this is the most simplest basic requirement. It is the... Si Listen, I don't care whether you smoke, drink, eat bacon and don't wear hijab. You can do what you want. But people, you yani, need to... You know what it is? That's desires and that's people being weak and people being lame and people being overcome by company, whatever, whatnot. But prayer... It's the absolute pillar of your religion, your identity, and everything. So people who don't... That's why the scholars said they're kafir. Okay? The, the kufr card really comes out most strongly when it comes to the issue of the prayer. And our position, of course, is that... Uh, uh, even though the Hanbalis are, uh, are not upon this in general, but our class position is that a person is not kafir if he does not pray. But... but we very, very much respect that position. We take it incredibly seriously. And in another day, we would absolutely apply that in a heartbeat. Because the person who refuses to pray or doesn't pray or makes up stupid excuses that my kapriya palit and I'm palit and your girl's palit and God knows what. Yeah, that's just full of stupidity. It's just an absolute yani, diseased heart. It's just absolute rubbish, right? Nonsense. But we still believe that that person that chats rubbish is different from the guy who says that I don't need to pray or prayers for the weak or prayers for yeah any religious people. I'm not really, you know, people who deny the obligation and just chat rubbish as in trying to make excuses or not excuses like like trying to make out that he's not done anything wrong. So the scholars came back with and said, all right, fine. You know, whether you're kafir or not kafir or it's kufr or not kufr, it doesn't matter. But you certainly do not deserve the right to make that prayer up. And you will suffer as a result of it. You will suffer significantly because this is a major sin and the level of fixing of a major sin is huge. It not only requires a, a, a major change around in life, stopping that action and restarting it, stopping the, stopping the not praying. So that means restarting it immediately. Regret, uh, show absolute, uh, uh, um, a very big determination to start again and... A, a, a formal act of istighfar and tawbah that comes with tears and dua and you know whatever and then a huge amount of extra 
sadaqah and supererogatory actions to make up for the big shortfall. So it's no joke, bro. And you know what? We're not even going to give you the opportunity. We're not even going to give you. You don't deserve it. So I want you to appreciate that, that, that people are strict on the special kind of thing. So when you say, doesn't the middle position close the door to other people who, you know, if we're saying that the only people who make this prayer up are those that pray it regularly. And so those were just basically saying, well, we don't pray anyways. We might as well not pray. Well, you know what? The, the, the proponents of this opinion would have no problem with that. They would say, you know what it is? If you're going to be, as I said, such a bagheret with your prayer, not yani, understand what the sunnah is, not understand uh, um, how important it is in life, and you're so obsessed with everything else, and you don't find time for the priorities, then you don't deserve it. And you, you don't even, well, we shouldn't even give you the opportunity to make it up. So that is actually their opinion. That is their, their mood. Like I said, uh, although I might not agree with it entirely, I think there are some issues and whatever. I think that the basic underlying emotion, uh, the basic vibe, I think is okay. Mariam is, I've actually found this idea of making up the ratib helpful and becoming consistent with them because you know that you should make them up so it puts more pressure on you always to pray them. That's a wonderful point. And that's, um, uh, that's of course, again, an added justification. So it is wrong. It is not wrong to make it up. Absolutely, it's not wrong. This is the nas which establishes it. And if we miss fajr, then we can make up the sunnah prayer. No, if you miss fajr, you must make up the sunnah prayer. If you miss fajr, you must make up the sunnah prayer. The sunnah prayer of fajr has a unique legal status where we're too scared to call it obligatory but we know that it's far more than highly recommended we're too scared to call it a fard prayer because then what's the difference between the sunnah of fajr and the obligatory of fajr but we never saw the prophet ever miss it we never saw the prophet ever miss it whether he wakes up late or not late whether he's traveling or not whether in hajj or not whether x or not y or not he's always praying it so you must make up the sunnah prayer if a person is regular on the rawatib would we allow them to make it up after Asr even though it is a prohibited time? And this point here, which we're going to come to a little bit later, is uh, an exception to the rule, right? In the general prohibited times, there are specific prayers that are made up and we'll come to this. If a person misses all the rawatib of Dhuhr, can they make it up after Asr? Well, according to this position, yes. Okay, they, according to this position, yes. Let's carry on reading and get to actually Sheikh's position as well. So he goes, and also, um, the general statement of the Prophet ﷺ, the general uh, hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which uh, I can't find now the reference to, but obviously, or the only hadith is Sahih, he's put the, the thingy, lazy, custom lazy thingy, he's put volume three, where am I going to find volume three now? But anyway, we covered this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever sleeps, uh, whoever oversleeps, whoever sleeps and misses a prayer, that's probably the best way, or forgets it, then let him pray it when, as soon as he remembers it. When he remembers it. The idea is that it happens there and then. And Shaykh Uthameen says this hadith, it covers both obligatory and sunnah prayers. So you can see Shaykh Uthameen is, you know, he's in favor of this. This is only applicable if there was a reason that he left it. The reason is he overslept or he forgot or genuine something very important comes up and that has basically, you know, uh, stopped him praying what he would normally pray. But if he intentionally leaves it, so he's like, there is no reason, there's no excuse, 
No one's come. No one's making him busy. He's got the opportunity. And then the time runs out. So he's just lazy, basically. He's like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then the time runs out. Okay. Then Sheikh Uthameen says he does not make this prayer up. Okay. And Sheikh Uthameen says something further. He goes, and if he did make it up, it would be invalid. Okay. And, and the reason for that is because the rawatib, the sunnah supererogatory prayers, these prescribed supererogatory prayers, voluntary, rewarded prayers, not obligatory, but they're rewarded. That's what supererogatory means as a reminder. These prayers are an ibadat mu'aqqita. They are time-limited acts of worship. Maxim, guys, rule. Write it down. Write it down. Time limited acts of worship. If a person intentionally, if a person intentionally delays them until after their time. They are not accepted from him. So whoever, whatever I just said. Time limited acts of worship. If a person intentionally uh, 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 delays it from after whatever I just said. Okay. Delays it until after its time. Or, you know, pushes it until, uh, or does it after its time. Or pushes it out after its time. It is not accepted from him. Alright. That's a very nice, useful Maxim. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. You don't get to choose when you pray them. It's not some joke. You know what I mean? It's not some joke. Well said. The evidence for this, Sheikh Uthameen says, is the hadith Bukhari of the Prophet ﷺ. Whoever does an action that's not from our actions, it is rejected. Because... So this hadith is, uh, uh, what is this hadith Bukhari, of course, but uh, I can't remember the reference. But the point is that this, this hadith, of course, is from the key principles of this religion. You are doing an act which is like a bid'ah almost, right? You are intentionally delaying the prayer without reason and then offering it. But the, the prayer, it, it's not a million miles away from saying, well, you know what it is? You know, I'm hooked up in Dhul Hijjah, so I think I'll just do Hajj in Ramadan when I'm there. You know, it, it's not a million miles away from that. Frankly, yeah. says, so you got to think of it logically. Like you would never say that the, the sunnah of Dhuhr is the sunnah of Dhuhr if you prayed it before the Dhuhr start time. Right? Well, why would it be okay to pray after the end time? If it's a prayer of its time, it should be the prayer of its time. So just like you would never offer or think or even accept someone claiming that it's okay to pray before, well, we're not accepting it afterwards either, which I like, okay, which I like. So there is no difference between the two. So therefore, therefore, a person, if he misses some, one of these uh, ratib, then he should pray it, but we've got to put the condition very clearly that there's got to be a, a reason. There's got to be uh, a reason. And he goes also, he goes also, you can tell this as well. You can tell this, uh, yeah, I translate it right. 
he goes, Sheikh Uthameen says, you can also tell this or feel this from the words, that, the, the Arabic words or phraseology of the author. He says, Man fatahu shay. Yani, whoever misses something. He didn't, the author, didn't say, وَمَنْ لَمْ يُصَلِّهَا فَلْيَقْدِهَا He didn't say that the one who does not pray it, then let him make it up. The one who does not pray the sunnah of the rawatib, let him make it up. He said, whoever misses the rawatib, meaning that, that he intended to pray it, he wanted to pray it, but he missed the opportunity, he missed the chance. He didn't intend, you know, you understand what I'm trying to say? Whereas the one who says, who did not pray, it's not missing it, right? He, well, it includes missing, but it also includes the one who didn't want to pray. Whereas the one who has missed, then it's a lot more kind of, you know, and Sheikh says, maybe perhaps we can get that from him. Okay? But, uh, you know, we can get that, uh, we kind of get that kind of feel. And that's sometimes used in books of fiqh and so on. Man Whoever misses the, the, the opportunity to stand at Arafah. Then he's missed the Hajj. Yeah, and the point is, is that the word Fata means that someone who gets there late, gets there, or, you know, has some kind of problem. It wasn't his intentional decision. All right. That the the prayer of the night is better than the prayer of the day. Let's have a look here. Time. Yeah, yeah. That's the, absolutely. These nuances make the translation a bit difficult. Time limited acts of worship. If a person, in, if one intentionally delays it after its time, then it is not accepted from him. That's great. That goes, I'm happy with that. That's great. Um, so the night prayer is better than the prayer of the the, the day. And Sheikh Uthameen says, you got to remember that when it comes to, you know, we, we've stopped using the word uh, voluntary prayer. We've stopped using the word recommended because the actual word is supererogatory. Even though I can't say that word for dust, I have to stop my whole brain every time I say it. Okay, I have to stop my brain and literally hold on to my tongue before I say it. So, supererogatory. That is the perfect word for at-tatawwa. Alright, in Arabic, at-tatawwa. Salat at-tatawwa. Yeah, which means the, the supererogatory. Prayers which are not obligatory, but if they are offered on a voluntary basis, they are rewarded. Or if they are offered, they are rewarded. But they are not obligatory. So, Sheikh says there are two types. Those which are, in gen- which are general, done for no reason. And those which are restricted, restricted by a reason or a time or something or an event or, you know, so those which people just do for the sake of it. And then those which are not, uh, those are thingy. So, which are with a reason. So they are called mutlaq and muqayyid. Okay, mutlaq, which means absolute, unrestricted, general. And muqayyid means restricted, got a reason or something like that. Amul muqayyid. So Sheikh says, as for this, this category of the restricted, reasoned uh, ones, فَهُوَ أَفْضَلُ فِي الْوَقْتَ الَّذِي قُيِّدَ بِهِ أَوْ فِي الْحَالَ الَّذِي قُيِّدَ بِهَا Sheikh says that this statement of the prayer done at night is uh, the prayer better, the prayer done at night is better than the prayer during the day is only applicable to general uh, general tatawwa um, prayers or general sunnah prayers. You know, absolute sunnah prayers, absolute recommended normal prayers. Not those that come, not those that are muqayyid. Because if it's muqayyid, it's a prayer that has a reason, then that prayer is always better 
when it is prayed. For example, the two sunnah of Fajr is a supererogatory prayer. It's a tatawwa prayer. It's not obligatory. Okay? It is prayed in the daytime, just before Fajr. If you didn't understand this point, then you would say that two raka'ah prayed in the nighttime is better than these two here. The answer would be wrong. These two are better than every single prayer that's prayed in the nighttime. Okay? Or, it, or, it, or taking this and putting it at, in the nighttime, for example. There would not be. This prayer in its time, because it's a prayer of, of reason, time restricted, given a defined yani restriction, it's muqayyad, it is restricted, it has a reason, it has a time, it has rules. This will always be better wherever it appears. It doesn't, it's not uh, part of this, um, it's not part of the general rule of the, uh, you know, uh, night prayer is better than the day prayer. Okay? So, Mathalan Sheikh says, Tahiyut al-Masjid. So, he gives the example of Tahiyut al-Masjid. He goes, if you enter the uh, masjid in, even in the daytime, okay, وَلَوْ فِي النَّهَارِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ صَلَاةِ اللَّيْلِ لِأَنَّهَا مُقَيَّدَ بِحَالِ مِنْ الْأَحْوَالِ وَهِيَ دِخُولَ الْمَسْجِدِ So, if this person, okay, enters the masjid and prays two raka'ah because he's got no prayer to pray at that time, it's the daytime, it's not a sunnah time. It's just like, let's say he walks in at 11 o'clock in the morning. He's done his fajr. He's done his duha. He's done his shuruq. It's too early for dhuhr. It's two hours away. He just walks in. He's done all his duha and everything. So he's got no reason to pray. We know that it is a sunnah, highly emphasized. Some even said obligatory. That a person is not allowed to sit down in a masjid until he prays two rakah. So he offers something for the masjid here. Right? And that is called Tahiyyatul Masjid. A kind of salam to the masjid, a kind of greeting and a respect of the masjid. Okay? Now these two raka'ah are as absolute... No, not absolute. These two raka'ah are as light and low down on the list as it gets from the supererogatory prayers. But it is linked to the fact that it is the first thing that you do before you sit down when you enter a masjid. And even though the night prayer is so much better in general, but this two raka'ah, these two raka'ah are better than the night prayer, all of the types of night prayer, because it is linked to the reason of why you're praying it. And because of that reason, because it's the masjid, because of the situation, it is better. Sheikh says another example is sunnatul wudu. So you can't say that the night prayer is better than sunnatul wudu. Compared, like, you know, you make wudu for dhuhr and then you decide to pray two raka'ah after it, which is a sunnah for the wudu. Nothing to do with any other, other this, the numbers of the sunnah during the day. So just two special kind of units. That, because it's linked to wudu, linked to a command, linked to an action, linked to a moment, it, despite being in the lesser preferred period of the day, i.e. the day and not the night, it is still better than uh, equivalent prayers or whatever other prayers of the night. That's the point of this because it is restricted with a with a reason there's a reason behind it as for general prayers those that don't have any particular reason and by that I'm saying you know what I need to, I need to chill man I'm going to pray to Raka'ah that's what I mean 
okay? I've got some spare time, let me pray two rak'ah. These are the unrestricted units, nothing linked to any reason, any time, any event, any X, any Y, just the sunnah of praying, unrestricted sunnah prayers. And of course, this is the action of the Prophet ﷺ. He encourages companions to do it. I spoke about this last week when one of the companions came to the Prophet ﷺ and said that, you know, I want to be with you in Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ said, well then, help me do that by increasing in your sujood. Yeah, and if finding any old reason just to pray, just increasing in that. Okay, so, so, المطلق فهو في الليل أفضل منه في النهار لقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم as for general prayers then these offered at night are better than those offered during the day when they don't have a particular reason this is because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said أفضل الصلاة بعد الفريضة صلاة الليل that the best prayer offered after the obligatory prayer is the prayer of the night the best prayer after the obligatory prayer is the prayer of the night the prayer of the night hadith narrated by Imam Muslim Hadith number 1163. One, um, the night, Sheikh Uthameen says, starts from the sunset. Okay. So, He goes that this technically also means that a prayer that's offered between Maghrib and Isha will be better in quality, random prayer I'm talking about, than that which is offered between Dhuhr and Asr, because that's proper in the day. This one's actually, even though it's not proper, proper night, but it's still at the beginning of the night, so it's proper night. So this is his point. The Prophet oh, I just said this hadith right now. The mutlaq, the mutlaq general, the general, unrestricted, no reason kind of prayers, they are legislated to be increased as much as humanly possible because of what he said to a man who came to him and said to him, Sallallahu Alaihi I ask you for your companionship in paradise. And the Prophet ﷺ, uh, oh, something like that. Okay. So the, the, the Prophet ﷺ said, yeah, it, it is that, you'll get that. So help me. Help me to help you. Help me help you by increasing in your sujood. By increasing in your prostration. By doing more supererogatory prayers. This hadith narrated by Muslim. Hadith number 489. Hadith number 489. Yeah, we're talking nafal basically. If we want to just yeah, just keep it packed simple, then we're basically talking about nafal prayers. So Salatul Istikhara is not considered unrestricted. There is a reason for it. Correct. Now... Aisha is saying, can we combine the sunnah of wudu with other sunnah prayers? Right? Can we, like, make... How does the combination thing work? Right? So, um, this is not easy and it's not agreed upon. The concept of how do you combine prayers? But in general, the general rule is that specific prayers can't be combined. But general prayers can be. But then you'll say, okay, but the general prayer is sometimes not as general as you may think. I'll give you an example. The most general prayer as it gets. Okay, we're going to get deep now. All right. Is actually the Tahiyyut al-Masjid. The reason it's the most general as it gets 
is because there is no prayer called Tahiyatul Masjid. That's why it's so general. Okay? It's so general that it doesn't even exist unless there is absolutely no other prayer to pray. What do I mean? Maybe I'm doing a real disaster here of explaining this point. Let me explain. Normally when you go to a masjid, whenever you go to a masjid, there is something to pray. There is something to pray. You're either going to go in and you're going to make wudu. If you make wudu, that's the first thing you're going to do. You're not going to sit down, lie down, masjid and whatever and say, I've got to make wudu, but only after five minutes of lying down or sitting down. If you go into the masjid, you're going to go make wudu before sitting down. I'm just mentioning this point because obviously masajid in the old days never had places for wudu. I'm talking a modern day masjid. Yeah. So let's say that you made your wudu and now you want to pray your two raka'ah of your uh, sunnatul wudu. So you're in the masjid anyway or you're next to the masjid. So that's where you're going to pray it. And those two units take the status of saying hello to the masjid, salam to the masjid and respecting to the masjid. It's done. It's fulfilled. Likewise, if you came late to Dhuhr prayer and the obligatory prayer had started, you joining this Dhuhr prayer is you coming to the masjid and respecting it and hallowing and salaming it with prayer. You coming to Fajr in the morning, not following the sunnah of praying the sunnah at home, which is the sunnah, of course, for Fajr, to pray the sunnah at home and you arrive for the jama'ah, okay? But let's say for whatever reason you didn't and you came early or you didn't pray the sunnah at home and you came on time or early, whatever. When you now pray your two sunnah of fajr, that also takes the position of tahiyat al-masjid. Tahiyat al-masjid is applied to everything. It sticks to everything. But you can get a bit kind of misguided in this kind with this explanation that I'm giving because you start to think that, oh, so you can combine intentions. And I'm like, well, really? The reason that you kind of got to still be careful about the combining of intentions is because this Tahrit al-Masjid sticks to everything because it's not actually a prayer in the first place. It basically is every prayer offered in the Masjid as long as you don't sit down. I hope that I'm making sense. I feel like I'm not making sense, but then I feel like I say enough to make it make sense. But as for what you're asking, Aisha, for example, can you do the two rakah al wudu and the two sunnah of fajr? No, these are separate. If you want the rewards separately, then they're separate. The whole point of praying the two rakah of wudu is that it is an individual separate act of ibadah offered. You know, it's something separate to your sunnah of fajr, which has got to be done for its reward, and this one's got to be done for its reward. The two rakah of tawaf is done for its reward, and the two sunnah of fajr is done for its reward. Prayers that have defined identities and rewards are generally kept separate. You don't kind of combine between them. And when you do combine between the tahiyatul masjid or whatever, then that's kind of a little bit uh, different. Okay? Yeah, but you see, Maryam, right? That's actually the majority of people. But when I now say to you, Maryam, right? I put a straight question to you. Give me the hadith that shows that shows me the two rakah of Tahrir al-Masjid. You'll be like, you know what? I never thought of that. There isn't a hadith. And there isn't. There, there, there's no such thing. But because it's always prayed, but, it, but what I'm trying to say is that there's no such thing. But of course there is. Because if there was no other prayer, then there's two units that come up. Okay? 
I don't know how it's better to explain that. I really think I didn't explain it very well. So maybe if people can tell me, yeah, I fully get it or don't get it or can explain or can I explain or whatever, you give me your understanding or whatever. Right, Sumaira says, if the hadith says the best prayers after the obligatory are salatul layl, how does that apply, imply this being contingent upon it being mutlaq? No, this hadith is not the evidence for it. For this, uh, this hadith is not the one you use to uh, uh, put uh, mutlaq versus muqayyid. Not this hadith. This hadith is just establishing the excellence of the night. Yeah, number one. Number two. Do we classify tahajjud being restricted by time as mutlaq or muqayyid? That's the problem. You see, that's the problem. Um, you got prayers that can fall into both categories very easily. The night prayer, we seem to have like a, a kind of much more lax approach to the night prayer and make it all kind of general, right? And then as you see, the tahajjud itself is... is a specific prayer but the other scholars will say and i have to say i'm sympathetic to this position right that the it's not as specific as a specific prayer because the numbers can vary the time can vary you get what i'm trying to say so to be specific you've got to have quite a level of restriction and when you challenge the scholars for what do you mean by what do you mean by something which is muqayyad, right? Restricted. They say that it has a specified name. It has a wasf. It was described by the Prophet specifically. There's a reason that when it's not there, it's not prayed. But when it's there, it is prayed. That is restricted in time, restricted in number. These are the kind of like... Uh, 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 you know, these are the kind of uh, things that would uh, basically make a prayer restricted. And therefore, tahajjud would be, would be arguably, by some scholars, not enough. Okay? Not enough. Maryam says at the bottom there, muqayyad prayers are restricted by time, the sunnah of fajr, by situation, tahajjud masjid, or for a particular reason. Are these the only three types of restriction, or are there others? Um... Are there others? I would argue there are. I would argue that reward, specific reward, is also a, uh, a, a and that's where I, 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 I that's where I'm kind of like a, a reward. I'm kind of bundling name and description under reward. When the Prophet ﷺ goes to the effort to specify something, so as you said, it's either going to be by time or it's going to be by uh, the event or the, the ignition or the start or the situation or a particular reason. It, some, I, 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 I mean, I, I haven't read it here and Sheikh Uthameen doesn't mention anything and Sheikh Muhammad doesn't mention anything. But from what I have studied previously, there are some scholars that put forward that specific rewards in contradistinction to others is also another kind of way to recognize a prayer being muqayyid. But that creates problems because like Sumaira said, the Hajjud prayer has yani, a very specific set of rewards. So that's why you get to the idea that you've got to have restrictions that are more than just one. Yeah? Right? Allahu A'lam. So the author's statement, correct, Usama. When he makes his, this statement, his intention is that the night prayer 
uh, uh, being better than the prayer during the day is only apl applicable to mutlaq, unrestricted general, supererogatory prayers. Okay? Yeah, it's a general idea of praying before sitting down. So, the Hajj al-Masjid doesn't exist, but two nawafil, nawafil for wudu exist. Oh, absolutely. The, the two nawafil of wudu is hadith-based, right? It's an actual unit. So, I can combine the intention for Tahiyatul al-Masjid and the sunnah of Fajr al-Dhuhr. You see, look at what Abu Zakariya uh, has written. This is the most common question asked on this, right? And if you've understood what I said, okay, then you'll realize that there is no combining of intention because, although of course you would, right? But there is no combining of the intention because the sunnah of Fajr al-Dhuhr prayed in a mosque before you sit down is your tahiyatul masjid. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? That is your tahiyatul masjid because you did it before. Now, hey, if you didn't pray those two intentionally and you said that, you know, I've got ages left before I prayed the... Like I gave the 11 o'clock example. Yeah? You arrive at 11 o'clock and, you you know, the sunnah of Dhuhr is miles away. So I'm going to pray and sit down. That now is you creating a bona fide two raka'ah called Tahiyatul Masjid. Alright? I know it's a bit ghetto, you respecting and hellowing it and salaming it with the prayer. Yani, that is actually the... Honestly, I know it's a bit funny and lame, but that is actually what I think you should think of about the Hayatul Masjid. That I'm going to... And if you understand what I'm saying, respecting it, hallowing it, and salaming it with prayer, then you understand why the scholars that hold the opinion that in the Haram, the Haram, Mecca, that you do respecting and the hallowing and the salaming of the Haram with Tawaf. Right? And that's what you should do. Even though, you know, those who go with me, you know that my position is that um, you still pray the two rakah if you're going to sit down. If you're going to sit down. Anyway, if you arrive late at the masjid for Jum'ah and the imam is giving the khutbah, is it best to stay standing so you can catch the tahiyatul masjid in the congregation or sit down as you're the only one standing? So, this we will cover in the section of Jum'ah properly, but both positions are acceptable. The majority sit straight down. The people who follow the hadith, they will stand and pray by themselves. That's the safer position. Both we will cover in its right time. Would it be fair to say, Daniel says, that those prayers like the Tahiyatul Masjid, oh my God, we've gone over our time, man. Those Would it be fair to say, what, what happened there then? That was a really poor, man. I apologize for that, guys. Sugar. Um, what happened to that? Would it be fair to say those prayers like the Tahiyatul Masjid and the two rakaat following uh, wudu may be combined because these prayers are intended for their own sake? No. No. And like I said, there is no prayer for Tahiyatul Masjid. Okay? There is no prayer for Tahiyatul Masjid. Tahiyatul Masjid is combined with the Sunnah of Fajr because it is the Sunnah of Fajr. Yeah. Sarah goes, because there is always a sunnah to be prayed, so one is in essence always going to pray to rakah when one enters the masjid anyway, it's not a separate prayer. Correct. Unless, of course, Sarah, there isn't a sunnah to be prayed. Unless there isn't a reason for you to pray, then you create a reason. Then you've now suddenly created the two rakah of Tehidu masjid So Tehidu masjid does exist. But 99.9% .9 of the time, 
is going to be offered by you praying something, anything, in the masjid. As long as you pray, it takes the status of Tahiyatul Masjid. The whole point of this is what? The whole point is that people respect the mosque. That if you're going to the mosque, right? Um Rukia, I think, has got it. Like what she, She's saying what I want to say. Out of respect for the masjid, we should pray. So if we're going for a class or something, then we do Tahiyatul Masjid. Exactly that. But if we already got the prayer done through some other nafal or far prayer in the masjid as we walked in, then the Tehutu Masjid is done. Did you get it right? Yes, you did. Summary. Mahira Saeed says, Praying anything as soon as you enter the Masjid with a Fard, Sunnah, Nafal, as long as it's prayer before you sit down, is considered Tehutu Masjid. Absolutely correct. Yeah? So, that's the Hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said that when one of you enter the Masjid, then let him not sit down until he prays two raka'ah. And then in another narration, then let him pray two raka'ah before he sits down. Now, the, what's important about this hadith, I don't know whether Arif has made a further point. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, Zafar said, so any act of ibadah can be tahiyyatul masjid. So what if I chose to go in and recite Quran instead of praying nafil prayer? Correct. What Arif responded to you is the correct position. It is a prayer. It is a prayer. That's the whole point uh, uh, of the masjid, that it's not Quran. It's not dhikr, it's not tawaf, it is the prayer. And that's the reason why this hadith about that the, the tahiyyatul uh, the masjid for the haram is a tawaf is such an interesting one and a controversial controversial one. It's like a, 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 good, um, uh, it's a good point. Now, I just want to bring up you know, some more fitna. Okay, this is not fitna now, this is real fitna. If you look at the hadith that Arif uh, quoted, you can see that this would seem to go against my explanation, right? I said that any prayer is your tahiyyatul masjid. Your four dhuhr that you're praying, obligatory, that you arrive late for, is your tahiyyatul masjid. The hadith, however, says, then let him offer two units. And it specifically says that. And it says that in more than one version of the hadith as well. So this is a contradiction. My uh, explanation of this is that it's not a contradiction, that this is referring to what I was explaining. If you don't, uh, if you are, if you go into the masjid and you offer any kind of prayer before you sit down, job done. But if you don't, and there, and there, but if there is no prayer, and you don't, like you come for a class, for example, or you're out of prayer time and you come in, then as the bare minimum to achieve this yani, certification status, you have to offer two units. The bare minimum. Then it becomes a real prayer, two units, just called Tahiyatul Masjid. Because literally there wasn't a single other reason for you to pray. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. I just want to say that there are some scholars that try to build the alternative opinion that there is such a thing called two raka'ah, whatever, whatnot. You, I will either say they need to bring their evidence because they don't have any. Or I agree that, that he might you know, accuse me of just being semantic and I, I take that. It's okay. Uh, so, Tahir al-Masjid is an act of respecting the masjid, not a specific salah. If one prays a prescribed salah upon entering the masjid, he can combine the intention of Tahir al-Masjid as he has fulfilled the act. Correct. But I'm, I want to make some notes on this statement here, right? We'll, be careful when we wait. For example, if he enters the masjid and does wudu, he can combine sunnah of wudu with Tahir al-Masjid. Very good. If one enters a mosque and has no prescribed salah to pray upon entering, 
he can pray two units, not put on entering his tahir to the masjid. This is good. Now I want to say that why does this hadith exist? Alright? Because if this is the case like I'm explaining, then nobody should then, uh, then everybody just come for dhuhr, bang on the iqama and pray the dhuhr and job done. Right? Why would we even have a hadith then? And the reason we have a hadith is of course to encourage prayer. And the reason we have this hadith is to encourage people to come to the masjid more. And the reason we have this hadith is to encourage people to come early to the mosque. These are the three things that I want to indicate. So even though a bare minimum will be achieved if you come last second and pray any prayer, it will become a to the masjid because the main aim is to respect the masjid. Actually, the, what the hadith and what the Prophet ﷺ wants to do is to proper respect the masjid. And a proper respect of the masjid is to not just salaw and halam and respect it, hello salam, respect it at that moment, but to show love to it, to be in it regular, to fill it up with time yani spent in ibadah. I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say. hope it makes sense. Um, can one say Tahiyatul Masjid is, is to any nafal prayer performed at entering the masjid? As the term Qiyamul Layl is to prayer at night time in terms of generality. I think that's very good. Yeah, I think you can. Ma'iza says, does this mean that Muqayyad prayers are greater than Mutlaq prayers? In general, yes. The Muqayyad prayers in general, I say in general because I can't for this moment think of one that's not, that's an exception, but I, I believe that that's right. All of them are rewarded more than Mutlaq prayers. Okay? Night prayers are better than Mutlaq day prayers. Correct. You're getting this absolutely spot on. A Muqayyad prayer, whether done at night time or whether done in daytime, or the one that has a specific reason, whether it's a reason specific by event or by time or whatever, they are better than Mutlaq prayers, no doubt. But then in general, the night prayers, mutlaq prayers are better than the day prayers. Is there a salah for istighfar or shukrana? In my opinion, no. Not specifically. Right? Not specifically. Not that, oh, uh, and people call it salah to tawbah, and people call it salah to shukr, but these hadith are not authentic, in my opinion. They're not authentic. Um, okay. You mentioned getting into the masjid away ahead of Dhuhr, then you can pray two units for the masjid. What about if you get there only five to ten minutes before Dhuhr Adhan? So before the Dhuhr Adhan, we're going to come to that in a couple of weeks. So this is how Maryam understood Tehutul Masjid. Tehutul Masjid is not a specific prayer, it's a type of adab. So from the manners of entering the masjid is that you should not sit before praying. Therefore, if you enter the masjid, then you are due to pray the sunnah of Dhuhr that sunnah is your greeting of the masjid. However, let's say you enter at a random time where there is no specific sunnah to be prayed, you enter the masjid showing your respect by praying two absolute unrestricted raka'ah, two mutlaq raka'ah, which are called tahiyatul masjid. I think that's perfect. Well done. What will our class position be on how to classify muqayyad compared to mutlaq? Also, which specific hadith are we using as evidence for the mutlaq muqayyad differentiation prior to the application of the statement by al-Hajjawi? So there are no hadith by the Prophet ﷺ that mention mutlaq and muqayyad. These are what we call rules which are Mustakhraj, yani, from the hadith. These are usul, yani, mustambat, yani, taken and understood because of their, uh, because of their nature, because of the there, there is there is no definition of this. There are no uh, hadith in this kind of manner. I think it's very very important. And as for the class position on how to classify, then as as Maryam said, she put it down below that which is respected by time, by place, by. Um, Time and place and reason and reason. What's our or, or like uh, yeah reason yeah. What's our class position? Is the hajjid better than the muqayyad nafal salah during the day or vice versa? No, I think that the muqayyad prayer is better. Like Sheikh Uthameen, uh, uh stated it, 
like Sheikh Uthameen says it, okay? Um, uh, yeah. Anyway. All right, guys, let's now finish off. Uh, we'll just finish off the tahiyya and then we'll do with that question about the mother-in-law. Why is this hadith not sufficient as an evidence to make the Hijj al-Mashid a, spe a separate specific prayer? It is, Yasmin. It just would come up with problems with the rest of the hadith. It would, uh, you could create the argument. In fact, there are some scholars that think that this hadith is clear indicating a separate act. So then we'd have to then get into a lot of, not theological, legal gymnastics in trying to explain the entire system. Yeah, and all I can say is that if you think deeply enough and long enough about this, you will eventually come to where I'm coming to. Okay? Yani. Allah knows best. Rafiq says, Tahitul Masjid, don't sit down until you perform some act of prayer. Fard or Sunnah. It also helps to remind people that they're in the house of Allah, that they're there to worship Allah. I mean, that's the whole point, right? What Rafiq is saying is that I think people got to realize, yeah, that, that the whole point behind these ahadith is to make people recognize the value of the house of Allah, right? That you shouldn't be going there last moment, you shouldn't be going there super early, and but if you did, it becomes your 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 uh, 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 just yes, mean if you understand what I'm saying, right? Um, let's just go back to the text. إذا دخل أحد 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 المسجد فلا يجلس حتى يصلي ركعتين. That basically means that if a person has entered the masjid and prayed something, okay, else or praying something else like a four rakah, right? Then they can sit down. Right? So that's why I'm saying that other ahadith are the ones that make it clear to us that these, this rak'atain is not yani ma umir yani bidatihi. Yani it has not been commanded yani for it itself intrinsically. It is yani because of the tahiyyah itself and the disrespect itself. And so it is, it is the, it, 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 its function is achieved by praying. Yeah, maybe I'm going. I'm going to start going around in circles now, so I've got to stop. Right. Um, do you have time to comment on whether one can do istihara du'a after the rawatib? I do have time, and I don't think you can. I think salatul istikhara, as Thakib mentioned, or someone asked earlier on, I said that this is a restricted, specific prayer that should not be combined with other specific prayers. Okay? Uh, that's that. Would it be best to then combine praying sunnah at home and also at the mosque so when they get to the mosque they can make wudu and offer the two rakah of wudu and achieve tahiyyatul masjid? Uh, to combine praying sunnah at home and also at the mosque. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you should always look for more reasons to pray. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Now, I'll tell you where it gets very difficult. And I'm saying straight up above my pay grade. And this is a question which all scholars struggle with. Okay? They really struggle with. Should a person do this intentionally? Imagine now what Rivers has written. Yeah? Should a person do this intentionally for Fajr time? So we know that the Sunnah of Fajr is to pray at home by yourself. Alright, you've done that. But you got to, you know, you want to increase the whole kind of game. Now you're going to see in a, in a little while, well, in a couple of weeks, that it's not... Um, that one of the prohibited prayers for general sunnah prayers is this morning time. Now, what is the morning time or fajr before the fard prayer? Now, what if a person says to himself, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to make wudu, 
and wudu of course has two sunnah prayers and they're not general they have a reason so i'm going to pray that and i'm going to make it a habit is this good or not it will be a tahiyyah as well i go early as well i perform the sunnah of praying my, my fajr at home as well and whatever and you will find that technically logically we should have to say yes we've got to say yes yes but you will not find a scholar, a proper scholar anyway, you will not find him say yes. You will not say, because he's worried, because you you got him in between a rock and a hard place. Like this question makes me sweat every single time. I don't know what to say to a person. It's like, you know, six of this and half a dozen, half a dozen of the other. We're saying it's good, but you're, you're about to create a bid'ah. How can you create a bid'ah with something which is stated by the Prophet ﷺ? Yeah, you're right, but the way you're using it is, but hold on, you said that. So it's a mess, actually. <laughs> yeah? Anyway, um, right, 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 right. Uh, does this hadith may indicate that the main purpose of the masjid is prayer? Absolutely, Salma. The main purpose of the masjid is prayer. You've got to understand that it's purely a modern phenomenon, that it is the community hub that it's made out to be. This idea that the Prophet's masjid was yani, the be all and end all of everything, this was at its primordial time when they hadn't made yani, other places and so on and so forth. Right, and it uh, indicates the permissibility, so it allows people like us, miskin. If we didn't have these hadith, we'd be in big trouble. But in a Muslim country, you wouldn't be doing anything in a masjid because you've got yani, absolutely everything you know, lecture halls, and dawah centers, and this and that, and hospitals, and blah blah. It's in non practicing Muslim countries or in, in non Muslim countries that we really need this the, the, these hadith to, to allow or justify us building these big Islamic centers that have morgues and and you know, ghusl kind of places and, you know, all that kind of, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, um, if I stay somewhere for just Friday and Saturday every week, is it permissible to continue to pray as a traveler? The distance is a hundred odd miles, it will be like this for a short while. I believe it is permissible. Yeah, there are scholars that say you should pray normal, but I think it's allowed. Uh, Allahu A'lam. Thakib says, on the topic of acts of worship being time restricted, a baby was born on Monday and the seventh day for the Aqiqah is falling on Sunday. However, the local butchers are saying that they cannot perform the slaughter on Sunday because it's their holiday day off. Should the Aqiqah slaughter be done before the seventh day, i.e. Friday, Friday or Saturday, or should it be done after Monday? I want to say a couple of things. The first is, is that there are some scholars that do not count the Monday, the, the day that was uh, born. Okay, so actually... It's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So Monday is the actual seventh day, right? And the Malikiyah uh, between them have differed on this issue and, 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 and. So this is a matter of difference of opinion anyway, when actually is the seventh day. Secondly, this is an act which is restricted, of course, by time, but not as strictly restricted as you may think, okay? Because the restriction, uh, focus, there we are, is a soft restriction, because the scholars said that if not done on the seventh day, then on the multiples of seven. Third, third, this is an act in which no scholar has said that it is a condition of the aqiqah, which is a very, very highly recommended, if not obligatory act, is affected by the sunnah aspect of this obligatory act, being that it's in seven days. So my advice is always that this act should be done at the convenience of the community, and most people benefited, even if it's done on the weekend. So I'm a person who gives a ruling that you should give aqiqahs on the weekend, even if it's two days after or three days after, because it makes it easier for more people to come, for more khair, for people to enjoy it, for, you know, uh, whatever. My point is, is that in a non-Muslim country with other restrictions on time and date, it is permissible to go off away from the seven opinion 
and go to something general. But if you can combine between seven and the weekend, even better. But if you can't, then go for whatever's easy. Someone says, my Hindu mother-in-law wants to come and stay with us here in the US. She carries her idol and she does puja every day, morning and evening. She has never, I, I, I very you know, casually just carried on. I don't have a daily what puja is, but I'm going to pretend that I do. She has never accepted the fact that her son has accepted Islam and she has tried her best to split us in the beginning of my marriage by acting and lying and provoking my husband against me, cursing, crying on road publicly that I've taken her son away from her. It traumatized me terribly. Do I have any rights to refuse her stay in our house as I can't have shirk happening in our house if I oppose or if I allow? In both cases, I'll be hurt. Absolutely, you have the right. Absolutely, you have the right. Okay, I'm not going to explain because obviously I spent my whole life explaining this kind of stuff. You have the right. You need a fatwa. I give you the fatwa. She yani, does not need to be allowed into the house. Work it out as best as possible, of course. Last question, guys. If a family member is sleeping and then it's coming up to the end of the prayer time, we would wake them to pray. Am I right? When would the right time be to wake them up so they don't miss the prayer? Well, that depends upon the person. If they're a person who's nice and relaxed and not going to freak out and they're taking advice and they're willing to do the sunnah, then they should be woken up at the beginning time. If they're a person who is the same, what I just said, but there's a reason why they're not waking up at the beginning time because they got work or whatever and they're praying a bit later, then you should respect that and help them pray, wake them up at the time they want. If they're a person who's obviously looking for good and needs help and needs your support, if you like your wife, for example, and this is your husband, then you shouldn't care what he wants. You should make sure that you wake him up so he goes to the prayer for the masjid. And if this is a person who's, you know, disaster, you've got very little relationship or any leeway over them and you know there's going to be trouble, then you wake them up obviously in the last moment that, you know, that you can where they don't have an argument because you know that you're just don't try not to give them an argument. So if you wake them up too early, they're going to say, you're flipping disgrace, blah, blah, blah. This is why I don't, you know, do this kind of stuff because you're killing me, blah, 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 blah. So if you wake them up with when there's only 20 minutes to go, then, you know, when else are they going to be woken up? You know what I'm saying? Should the circumcision happen with the first days, seven days? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a sunnah. It is good to do that on the seventh. But it's not a sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi hardcore. Like, you know, proper hard. Right? Established mu'akkad. All right, guys. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu kulla khair. You don't apologize for anything, Sara. Okay? You don't need to apologize. Barakallahu feekum. And I want to say, what do I want to say? I want to say that this weekend, last weekend, we had a great yani, class of art, of tadabbur. It's been fabulous having everybody there. And um, I appreciate the feedback as well. And uh, 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 the problem is, Sara, that you have too much yani, husnul done for me. Okay? You said, yani, uh, uh, making always dua for me. You not doing it means I get an early night. That was my only thing. <laughs> I know you're exhausted, bro. I know you're exhausted. Barakallah I want to say that I'm looking forward to the weekend as well. And when you get an opportunity, make sure you join. Make sure that you practice your own tadabbur as well. Um, I left some announcements to do with the umrahs that people are asking about. That's in the, the channel. I also want to make it clear that we don't have any information on the details yet of either of the three programs. Wait for that until after October. I also want to say that I am moving around a lot, okay, over the next six weeks. And there's going to be a lot of announcements being made that, you know, uh, that I just want you to bear with me. We are going to go ahead with the class uh, next week on time, inshallah. But there are going to be a little bit, uh, uh, some sasti that are going to be required because I've got a few countries I need to be in. Barakallahu feekum, guys. 
You see, when you have this inspiration, when you have this, Sir Shazad Salim B M E B E M O B E S X Y Z C B O O B S. Then what? What more do you want? I look forward to all the guys in thingy. Don't take it now, guys. All right. Make sure that you join the American version in December. Yalla. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shahadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.